DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Chris Camrani, Utes writer for The Athletic. Chris, good morning. Good morning. How are we doing? Good. So that was one long story, 3,500 uh, words. Have you ever written anything longer than that? You ever written a book? You guys know me. That's, that's kind of par for the course. <laughs> <laughs> you are a wordy guy. <laughs> I am. I've never been able to get out of my own way. There were a lot of quotes in there. Uh, what were the ones that really stuck with you? Because inevitably, you didn't use all the quotes you got. So, yeah, but right. what what really uh, what really jumped out at you when you heard it? Uh, well, when I heard it, I was not ready for that information on a Friday afternoon. Um, but once that came to light, the weekend ceased to exist, and I just had to burn the phone lines and try to talk to as many people as I can. And, and luckily, um, a lot of, you know, former players got back to me. And uh, for me, I think nobody encapsulated the situation um, as objectively as Booby Hobbs. And I just listened to Booby's interview that you guys had with him. And he, he just uh, did a really good job for me. And I also think he did a really good, good job with you guys. Um, just telling his honest story and how um, he felt sometimes a little bit marginalized and and, and didn't know if he was being judged differently uh, because of his uh, race or background. Um, I also really, really liked um, Stevenson Sylvester's uh, statement to me. I mean, so I politely declined comment out of respect for the program but did want it to be included in, in the story. And um, he kind of summed it up too, like a lot of other players did that like Morgan is not a racist in their minds, but he is a product of his circumstances and that he needs to eventually uh, figure out how to fix this going forward. I said this to you privately in phone conversations. I want to say it publicly. It's some of the best sports journalism that I've seen in this community in the 25-plus years that I've been here. I thought it was a great job, and so I wanted to be on record to say that publicly. It was a phenomenal story, and I appreciate all the work that you put into it. Uh, going forward, I've been making this claim that that the U of U program can be better for this. It was an unfortunate situation. We cannot look at it loosely we have to take it extremely seriously and consequences whatever they may be and i'm hopeful that uh, the same folks who were employed then can be employed now and i believe when they take the field when they gather in the team room whatever it might be there will be a heightened sensitivity for each individual and because of that that the program can move forward in a manner that will be better how would you respond to that yeah, I mean, I think now more than ever is the time to give a platform to young people to speak their minds, especially young people of color, um, especially here. I mean, we can't really forget that a lot of these young men are coming from places all over the country. Um, maybe they've been on a visit here to Salt Lake City one time, but otherwise they have pretty much grown up in a lot of places where like, I mean, Booby said it himself, like he wasn't around a lot of Caucasian people growing up. Um, we're at a flashpoint in our history, I think. Um, and I don't think being able to give more people a platform to just stand up and feel comfortable just to voice what they're feeling is a bad thing. 
I've said this a lot, just because something has been done the way it's been done for forever doesn't necessarily mean it's the perfect way. And I think this is an opportunity for coaches, not only in college football, but in professional sports and every other avenue of sports to be able to lay out some runway and say, all right, guys, let's be real as possible, because that's really the only way you're going to be able to push forward, I think, um, as a team. And it's hard in football because you have so many kids from so many different backgrounds. I mean, we know that Utah is predominantly a third white, a third Polynesian, and a third black. And I think that works to their favor in terms of being able to integrate so many kids from different areas and backgrounds and socioeconomic groups and be able to meld them into a team. Uh, we've seen that over the years. But at the same time, we are living in a in a really important seminal moment in the history of our uh, generation. I mean, I'm not trying to date you guys, but you guys have, have seen some stuff. But for, for my generation, this is it, I think, more than I can ever remember. And for me, this is going to be a merging of, of sport and politics and just basically be able to relate as much as possible on a human level and maybe not always have it be about X's and O's or depth charts or playing time. Chris Camrani joining us right here, Utes writer for The Athletic. So is there anything in the story that you wish you'd had a chance upon further reflection a few days later? You know, sometimes people get back to you after you've already written the story, but that's when the call gets returned. Anything (laughs) more you've heard you wish you could add, but it was after the fact? Um, A little bit here and there. Um, You know, you you mentioned, DJ, like there's sometimes you you aren't able to include everything. And I actually went back over my, my, my notes and transcriptions, and there was one piece that, I did not include from Robert Johnson that that really resonated with me um, that I think reflects the issue at hand. And what Robert told me was what we need to realize is that just because a black player from, from Southern California grew up in South Central doesn't mean he's going to have the exact same reaction to coaching style or humor or playful banter as a guy who grew up in South Florida or as a guy who grew up in, you know, Houston, Texas. Robert is a very thoughtful, positive guy. And I, and I'm mad at myself because I going back over the 12,000 words of of notes and quotes, that's the one thing that I, that, that resonates with me and I wish I would have included. And that's kind of the issue at hand, guys. I mean, frankly, there are we've we've heard from from guys who say they've never had a negative experience with Morgan, and we do need to make it clear. I need to make it clear that everybody I talked to said they've never heard Morgan say a racial slur blatantly. Um, but at the same time, there there were some former players that talked to me that said he made them feel uneasy and uncomfortable, and that they didn't necessarily respond well to some of his coaching tactics or his phrasings. Uh, and, and, and that, to me, is, is the crux of this issue, and, and Robert hit on it so well, that we can't basically say, here's an athletic young black man uh, from somewhere around the country. He should respond the way some of his constituents do. Yeah, I thought that the boobies quote that he didn't know his own ignorance, well, of course, that if, you don't, if you're ignorant, then you don't know it. So it's sort of a, a roundabout way of, of uh, a little bit of a, I don't know what you would say, not 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 an oxymoron, but a sense of redundancy, I guess. But how much do you think it is just born out of that, which any of us can be in that situation 
of not knowing our own ignorance. Yeah, I mean, I wish, I, I really wish, guys, I could have been able to talk to Morgan and give him the the platform to respond to some of these allegations. But unfortunately, the ongoing nature of the investigation hindered that, and I understand that. I don't, you know, want to pretend that I, I know Morgan's train of thought because I don't, and I respect him, and I respect him, and I'm not going to necessarily uh, pretend that I I know where he was coming from. But I will say. All of us are guilty of being ignorant at some point in our lives. And me especially, I told you this, you know, PK, I, I told a lot of people this on the radio. This this is even a learning moment for me. Um, and I'm not making this about myself, but I, I, I just think that all of us have a chance to be a little uh, existential and just look at how we do our jobs, too. And how are we making everybody feel more comfortable and more inclus- inclusive and it, it, it's just a time for, for me for reflection. This has nothing to do with Morgan. This is just all my opinion. But to answer your question, PK, I, I mean, everybody's guilty of it. Yeah. But I think when you're, when you're a college football coach uh, at a major program, successful program, um, you know, making the money that Morgan is and just having the stature and kind of the gravitas that, that Morgan carries – I think you're just held to a specific standard, and I don't think that's a bad thing. And I think Morgan, if you could talk to him now, I think he would tell you the exact same thing. Chris Camrani joining us, Ute writer for The Athletic. Uh, you said you feel like we're at a seminal moment. Uh, you're old yeah. enough to remember moments that looked somewhat like this, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but I, there has but there hasn't been the permanent change. And PK and I are older, no. and we can certainly remember Rodney King, and maybe you know more yep. stuff before that. Not just on Morgan individually, but I want to go societal. Yeah. Are you optimistic that we're actually going to learn something, change something, and not repeat this? At least not repeat it the same way. Or is this going to be Groundhog Day three, five, seven years <laughs> down the line? Um, I, I am a bleeding heart cynic you guys know that and i've never wanted to be the more opposite in my life than i am right now i want to embrace uh, a total sense of optimism and 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 hope that we can change and um it it's it's mind-blowing for me because here i am i'm 33 years old my profession is to watch sports for a living Never in a million years did I think that I would be discussing my opinion on a matter that is of the utmost importance to a huge, important group of, of people in this country. And frankly, it should be important to everybody. That's my opinion. I know some people will disagree with that, and that's fine. But um, I, I, I hope more than anything that we can figure it out. Um, history is not on our side. Unfortunately, we've been here before, as you said, DJ. Um, and I, w- I was telling this to some of my friends the other day. There's a, there are reasons why certain points in history are what they are. I mean, why, w- why are the moments that stick out to me most when I was a kid was watching, uh, you know, the Rodney King riots on TV when I was like six or seven? Like, why do I remember the OJ chase? Everything in, in the history of this country that that means something, frankly, especially to someone like me, who is a mixed race kid is, is built around the premise of, of race and racial injustice. And we are at this point now where I feel like my generation and the younger generations 
are are doing their damnedest to be able to be heard and to just frankly do what they think is right. And now that the protests have, have calmed a little bit and have been peaceful all around the country, I mean, this is crazy, guys. I mean, you know, Spike Lee said it joked last week when in an interview with the New York Times. He was like, I never knew that there were this many black people in Salt Lake City. But as we saw last or two Saturdays ago, like Salt Lake's protests got the most pub. Now, not all of it good, but that means that we're growing and we're emerging as a diverse city and society. And that's not a bad thing. And, I, and I've told a lot of people this, that it's OK to feel uncomfortable it's okay to, to question some of your, you know, thoughts. It's not a bad thing. I mean, that's the most human element to existing is just trying to learn and try to level with somebody and try to see where they're coming from. Um, I think now so many of us are just, you know, backed into a corner with our shields up and our swords out, you know, afraid that we're going to be, um, judged or marginalized or have a situation flipped on our head Whereas the, the, the importance of what's going on, what people want now is just to be heard and they just basically want equality. And, and, it, and it's a, it sounds funny for me to say, but it's not funny because this is something that people have been dealing with for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And that's not hyperbole. And as you said, DJ, like, is it going to be Groundhog's Day? I don't want it to be, but again, history is not on our side and I want nothing more than to be wrong. Sometimes when people make mistakes, there's uh, factions of folks who basically want blood. If they end mm-hmm. up deciding not to make changes and retain the uh, Scali and whomever else, do you think that there yeah. will be potential blowback on that? Uh, uh, that's a good question. I mean, I think, this investigation, um, when it's finalized, we will hopefully hear the scope of it uh, internally and externally. I think you need to be able to take the pulse of those in the program and former players, frankly, um, to see what, what they think. But as you said, and as, as many players told me, nobody called for, for Morgan's job. Um, quite the opposite, in fact. They, they wanted this... Um, to be a, a reflection point for Morgan and a learning point. Uh, but I think long-term, depending on the nature of the investigation um, and its findings, it, it might hinder the program going forward, frankly. I mean, there are so many different um, avenues that this way, that this thing can go. And it just makes me wonder, Utah in a sense is already up against the eight ball when it comes to recruiting some areas of the country. Now they've done a phenomenal job at the same time, but also you're, you're up against it a little bit. You're up against the stigmas. And, um, and I just think that this could be a a potential uh, speed bump and a pretty sizable speed bump um, for them going forward, especially if they want to, you know, bust through that glass ceiling and not get to the Pac-12 title, but, but win that game. Um, but again, right now, uh, it seems kind of foolish just talking about X's and O's and, and, and stuff like that. That's not the most important thing at hand. Uh, that's just where I think long-term, on a surface level, it could affect Utah's football program. Chris Camerani joining us, Ute writer for The Athletic. 
Do you have any indication uh, talking to players, and maybe you talked to them so quickly it was too early, but I'm thinking if they're yeah. doing the investigation, this has got to be a really thorough, deep dive. It, it, yep. I, I've said before that if they wanted to fire Morgan, they could have already done it. So on yep. some level, they don't want to. And the players you talk to who, although they have some level of conflict with Morgan about race, have also made it very clear, including Booby in his interview here with you and on the radio with us, I don't want him fired. So if yeah. they're going to hear that, and you talk to a lot of players, and they need to talk to more and staffers and support staffers. Yep. So yep. I think it's a long investigation, but I'm starting to think that there's a pretty good chance that's what they're going to hear. Is that what you've been left with talking to people? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I I was explaining it to some colleagues. Like, it's a once in a blue moon where you – throw out so many messages and have that many people get back to you in like a 36 hour time frame. That doesn't happen that much in this business. So I'm going to chalk that up to being an anomaly of sorts um, because especially on a weekend. So I lucked out in that sense and I'm, I'm thankful that, you know, those former players felt comfortable enough to talk to me about what they felt and experienced. But the, the scope of the investigation, I, I agree, will have to be in depth and thorough as possible. Um, and they're going to have to, get uncomfortable i'm sure they're gonna have to try to unturn every stone to to make sure that this hasn't been an uh maybe a deeper issue within the program and um because they're (laughs) i don't want to say they're in damage control mode but in a sense they they are and um it's going to be fascinating to see what turns up because um to your point dj they they can't really rush this thing um i think if there was a a decision made we might have already heard about it already um so that leads me to believe that this investigation will be uh pretty objective and and in-depth as possible because there are two sides to every story and as we saw in my piece there were several players who spoke out in support of morgan and others who still spoke out in support of morgan's job and maintaining it but said that they had negative experiences and that they wanted they, they wanted to be heard after all these years. I don't want you to scoop yourself, but uh, you could just tell us in a yes or no form if you want. Do you have other stuff that you're planning to do on this? I mean, I, I think I have to. I wouldn't be uh, good at my job if I wasn't still trying to do my due diligence across the board. Um, this is, uh, I think, one of the biggest stories and. Recent uh, Utah sports realm, um, in terms of unexpectedness and kind of shocking news, and I think everybody on on every side of this deserves to be heard from. Um, now, with the investigation going on, we probably won't hear from Morgan or Kyle uh, or Mark Harlan. Maybe Mark. I don't know about that yet, but. It's uh, it's important to be able to keep doing the work, and as uncomfortable as it is, um, that's the the nature of the job sometimes, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, it was a, a pretty heavy weekend. There was no Saturday or Sunday. There was only minutes and seconds and hours. <laughs> uh, Friday to Monday, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, precisely. Well, if you do another story, you can use that Robert Johnson quote you've been beating yourself up yep. not using, and then, you know, it all comes out in the wash. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that would be cool. Um, but 
again, my like everyone else, my head is, is still kind of spinning a little bit, and um, sometimes you just gotta put your head down and work. That's not me patting myself on the back. It's just the nature of the gig, guys. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we appreciate it. Thanks for a few minutes, Chris, and a uh, good story. It was definitely a good read. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Chris Kimrani writes for The Athletic, covers the Utes. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK, it's time for the headlines. Everything you missed in this show brought to you by Larry H. Miller Chrysler, Jeep Dodge Ram, and Sandy. Find your deals online at lhmdeals.com. I am so excited. <laughs> Yogg says he played this because one of the Pointer sisters has died. That's correct. There's three of them, and one died uh, several years ago, right. but then I think the other one just died. Uh, it's Bonnie, 69. Yeah, she's gone. There's one sister left. They had it going on. I'm so excited, and I just can't hide it. DJ, I know, I know, I know, I know. I want you. I want you. I want you. Oh, yeah. This was a huge hit. Pointer oh, man, sisters. I'm moving right now. You should see me. I'm up on the desk. Pointer Sisters had a good run there in the 80s. They were crushing it. From Multiple Oakland? Hits. The brother was an NFL referee, I think. I didn't know that. He's... Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sure, I think he was, uh, what do they call him? In baseball, they call him crew chief. What do they call him in football? Is the lead umpire? Is the referee. Is? Yeah, the referee, the referee is usually the yeah. crew chief. Yeah, and so, yeah, he was, uh, remember him on TV, signaling. Now, he didn't have the uh, biceps as, uh, who's the one dude? Uh uh, Scotty would be so upset with me for not knowing this right now. Ed Hockley. There it is, Ed Hockley. And I tell the story. I'm watching football one night with my f- sister, and she says, there's Eddie. I said, Eddie? Yeah, Eddie. What do you mean, Eddie? Well, he's a lawyer in Phoenix. My wor- my sister worked in the court system for years and years. She retired now. but uh, And they used to have to deal with her to set up stuff, and so she had dealt with many, many lawyers. And turns out Eddie was one of her friends. <laughs> I didn't know that <laughs> all that time. She knew Eddie personally, and she called him Eddie. Like, Eddie? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Eddie. Oh, 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 Eddie, yeah. That's how That's how she knew. There's Eddie. What? <laughs> <laughs> that's Ed Hockley. I know, yeah, Eddie. Everybody knows him as uh, Forearms Eddie. Ed Hockley, yes. But the Pointer Sisters, you're right. They did have it going on. He's so shy. A few other songs that made it. I enjoyed their music. It was uh, a little bit of R&B and blues combined. Maybe a tinge. I I wasn't a big disco guy. I don't think they were really disco. But uh, they, as you say, had it going on in their time. And we'll, we'll miss them. All right, stuff we have talked about in the show today. Booby Hobbs came on the show at 8 o'clock. He's quoted extensively in uh, Chris Camerani's story in The Athletic on Ute players uh, reacting to the news about Morgan Scally's suspension and the investigation and what were their experiences at the U. And uh, when Chris Camerani came on, he said that Booby probably encapsulated 
the broad perspective that he got from multiple players the best. And, uh, and he said that what he got in his interview with Booby, some of the quotes ran, some of them didn't, is pretty much what he heard during our interview with him. Thought that was uh, pretty on point. Didn't see much movement there uh, from Booby Hobbs, who said, you know, just the cultural differences of coming from a different place and not being understood. Uh, hey, it, it, at times it hurt. At times it, it had him feel kind of separated from the coaching staff. Would you, is separated the right word, PK? Uh, I don't feel separated. like I was point on there. I feel like it's ballpark, but not on point exactly. And of course, you can hear the whole interview for yourself at twelve eighty thezone dot com if you missed it. I mean, it's a hard situation bringing in these kids. He's talking about coming in from he said the urban area. Well, he's from New Orleans, right? I mean, I've I've uh, been in New Orleans many times for work, and obviously, it's dramatically different than where we live. You know what I mean? It's just the way it is, right? And so he comes in here, and Scally's charged to lead him, and he comes here with a well, he had a kid. Uh, this is a, a very different thing. Although I, I think it was, I don't know who it was. I'd have to go back and check, so I don't want to say. But there was a player out there who said, well. Morgan's never got out of his comfort zone. He's been in Salt Lake his whole life. Now, I didn't serve a mission, so I don't know. But what I've been told, is that, that's not really a comfort zone. So Now, he went to Germany. I did look it up. Uh, and I don't know how many inner-city folks they've got in Germany. I've never been to Germany. Uh, but you can't really say that he has been in his comfort zone the whole time. I think that's a little unfair. Plus, he's recruiting going to places that are urban, and he's interacting with folks. So, yeah, everyone has stuff to learn. And I'm not going to stand here and say, well, uh, all of a sudden, Morgan Scowley is just the prime example of white privilege. All of us are examples of white privilege to one degree or another. My privilege is different than your privilege, and your privilege is different than somebody else's privilege. But... I think you got to look at the person's heart as much as you can. And what was the intent? It was a joke gone awry. Hope that it's not an ultimate price that he has to pay, but we all can do better. And I think that the U of U is going to be better for it. I don't know, and I agree with you, because I think you're kind of intimating that we as a country, how much are we going to be better from this? We've got a bunch of white people now that are going on Twitter I stand against all racism. Meanwhile, I rarely ever do anything about it and have to deal with it. But I stand against it. And then I go back to my community, and my community looks largely like me. Uh, So I don't know. Hope. I have that hope, as Chris Cramroni said, that things can get better. I was listening to Herm Edwards now that I'm on a tangent. He was on one of these shows. And And I thought of you, DJ, when I was listening to him because you brought up the point. And when he brought it up, it really hit home. He's talking about these cops and doing these things, right? Mm-hmm. And he was he was referring it to a team. Herm Edwards is 66 years old. He's got a lot of wisdom. Biracial guy. Went to Berkeley. Well, San Diego State, too. And then was in the NFL. You know what I mean? So he's been around the block a million times over. He's talking about these police officers. And what he didn't understand is he related to a team. He said, if I've got somebody on my team that goes beyond and goes afoul for multiple times when well, there's only so many chances. And what did you say? I forget the cop's name here who 
started all this uh, crap. In like, Minnesota, yeah. He had, seven, yeah. He had 17 uh, complaints against him. I mean, come on. Right. Come on. And you brought that up, and then Herm really hit it hard. And, well, that that's part of the issue right there, man, isn't it? Yeah, and the, the cop who was kind of standing between the um, – the kind of trying to get in the way of the person taking the the video he had six complaints against him and the other two cops involved were in their first week on the job well yeah those guys they're wide-eyed uh and we'll see what happens to them they got fired right and they're they've been arrested too uh i read some statements by their lawyers and we'll let the legal process take care of it there but 17 complaints i know I'm not in law enforcement, so I don't know what that means. But that seems like a high number to me. Yeah, but the guy who uh, runs the police union there said, if you don't have 17 complaints, you're not doing your job. Is that true? I don't know. That goes back to, okay, so what is the system? When we hear systemic racism, you know, what what does that mean? I mean, I hear it, but if I had to give up and and teach a class on it, I would fail miserably. And everybody in the class would be looking at me like, well, can't you explain it better than that? No, I can't. So I think that that's something that has to be explored, read about, learned, heard about. Oh, for sure, yeah. I I read a story just on Twitter, because we're on Twitter all the time, and it's kind of our news feed for a lot of people Uh uh, in the media. That's how it's used. And I saw someone retweeted a story from the Minneapolis Star Tribune that went into issues by precincts and how many years and how many lawsuits they've settled. And, of course, the stories then get hushed up because that's part of taking the money usually is that you can't talk about it. So they can kind of go into what the complaints were. But then there's a part where the door gets shut and you don't know anymore. You know, and so what led to it and how much money have they settled? And it's not an accident that the protesters who eventually you know, it turned into a riot, uh, went after the third precinct building. That There was stuff that happened in Minnesota that if you had specific knowledge about Minnesota, you knew why it happened. And for the rest of us, we didn't even know to ask the question because we didn't have any of the background, you know. So I, as much as it's about the individuals, and it is because people have to have individual responsibility and accountability, you know, we we got to examine the, the whole system or we're going to be right back in the same place down the road. Yeah, I got you. So I mentioned this earlier in the show. I've been challenged to read the book, The New Jim Crow, and I'm only 40 pages in, and I already wouldn't want to try to summarize what it's about. You need to read it. Uh, And I've been challenged to watch the movie 13th, which is available on Netflix. Apparently it came out four years ago. Made quite a splash when it came out, but I'm not in the movie-going, concert-going phase of my life, as you know, PK. Maybe that'll change going forward a little bit, but i got to see this movie, apparently. Uh, I've been told that by multiple people now. Only one person has told me to read the book, but now I've had two people. I brought up... Uh, one person challenged me to watch the movie, and I brought it up with somebody else, and they'd already seen it more than once. So, and, and they both addressed the system more than the individual incidents and personalities. All right, DJ and PK, other stuff we talked about, the Spurs, LaMarcus Aldridge, shoulder surgery out for the year. Jazz played the Spurs twice in the final eight games. So if you hear anyone saying, yeah, but the Jazz are going to be without Bogdanovich, well, no, the Spurs are going to be without Aldridge. So, and, and I suspect there's going to be more stuff we're going to hear about going forward by the time we get to these games that start July 31st. We'll probably hear about some more players that are out. Jazz are going 7-1. and one. <laughs> David Locke will take that bet. <laughs> <laughs> Was he got him 0-10? <laughs> Probably. 
in the uh, games? That's actually, and, 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 you know, it's it's Tuesday, so let's see if we can remember that Friday. That's a good question for David because I'm sure he's he's mapped all that out. I am sure. Uh, off the top of my head, I would say three and five or four and four. That's what I had actually told some people to ask me this before the Aldridge news broke. Okay, I'm just getting a text saying that Locke yesterday on his podcast mentioned that the schedule mm-hmm. as it's been laid out right now is actually not correct. So oh, that that's not going to be scheduled? Are may, they going to eliminate the, the playing teams twice? We may have to talk to him about this. I I, yeah. that's, I just got a text. I'd heard there were some people who were opposed to play, and the Jazz played the Lakers twice, and they played the Spurs twice. And that there was a thought that that should be mixed up. And when they did announce it, they said, you know, you'll play the next eight teams on your schedule. But then, like, 24 hours, there was kind of an added yeah, on to the sound, story. So the text well, there might be some wiggle room on that. You yeah, know. the text guy said it would be almost a brand new schedule. So we'll see. I have to go back and listen to this and see. Well, what well no matter what. It'll be sorted out before July 31. So we'll Whenever see. it's put together, undoubtedly the Jazz will have the toughest schedule in the league. <laughs> Jazz got screwed by that. I will pull out my hair. The reschedule makers. (laughs) All right, that's some of the stuff we've been talking about today. And when we come back, your feedback's coming up. Stay with us. And it's almost here. Don't go nowhere. Two sports leagues? Never. Should they be less? Well, we're still talking about MJ being the best one ever. And he said Republicans still buy shoes. Who's that, Yak? That was Ben. Ben commenting on Ben. Ben Shapiro with that take earlier in the show. Time for your feedback. And it is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State Street or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. The Ben Shapiro stuff, uh, where Ben was talking about two leagues, which I just absolutely don't see. The NFL (laughs) made a mistake in its uh, monopolistic practices in the 50s and let the AFL get off the ground in the 60s. They're never making that mistake again. How many football leagues have you seen try to start, PK? Six? 25. Uh, I think it's about six, but okay, 25. Uh, and they've all failed for one reason or another. Um, Colin says, guys, I'm done. Once you made fan of Ben's voice, I knew you weren't serious about addressing his concern, which I share. I'll find something else to listen to on my way to and from work. Oh, you're uptight. Todd says, sounds like Ben needs a safe space. So, <laughs> Just, just having fun. Crying emoji and a teddy bear. Not, you can't not. please everyone, that's yeah, for sure. That's true, too. Uh, John tweets at us, guys, please find an interview with Kyle Gunther regarding the Morgan Scally situation. I'm dying to hear his take. If you can get a hold of him, let me know. Oh, really? You've tried? I've tried. Reached out to Kyle? No go, huh? We'll try again. All right. Well, well I hope again. Kyle's doing okay because I like him. Yep. We've had him on the show a lot. All right, let's go to the phones. we got feedback on the phone, old school style. Jeff, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? Good. Good, Jeff. What's up, Jeff? So I... I just wanted to make a comment. I'm a former police officer. I just uh, retired a few years ago from one of the larger departments in the country. Um, as far as the police officer having 17 complaints, um, that's absolutely true. Now, obviously, what happened was absolutely atrocious, and, and it's interesting that Minneapolis and a lot of these departments don't even have chokeholds as being, you know, against policy. With, I mean, that that's been the case for for larger departments that are that are on top of things for 20 years you can't do a chokehold unless it's a life or death situation right in other, in other words i can't do a chokehold on somebody unless i could also legally shoot somebody so for that right. to not be a policy for them yeah they're they're way behind the times but i mean i had 
20, probably 30 complaints on my record. And a lot of them are, he said, I called him this word, or he took money for me, or he spread my legs with his foot. And it's just all he said, she said, but a policy is, if they say the complaint word, a complaint has to be taken. Now, whether it's unfounded or not, that's a whole other story. But that part of the story is true. The sad part with this is you've got two police officers that are within a week on the job. Those two guys, like you said, they're wide-eyed. They had no clue what to do. Because if they did, they would have jumped in and stopped it. But it's absolutely horrendous, and, and it's horrible. Thanks for the call, Jeff. All right, we're also getting this. At, um, my boyfriend is in law enforcement, and he says 17 is a lot of complaints. I guess it goes to Jeff's points about how valid are the complaints. Anyone can file a complaint. So I don't know that we're going to sort that out between now and 10 o'clock. Thanks for the call, Jeff. All well, right. You work on it, Dave. Uh, I was going to leave that to you. but no. oh. yeah, I, know. <laughs> I do the singing. <laughs> so you get a pass on the other stuff. Yeah. All you right. do the serious stuff. I more, do the nonsense. More Pointer Sisters. Ready? And go. I'm so shy. Not really. All right. We're out of time. Scotty and Hans are coming up next right here. And, uh, Yach, you're going to uh, try on uh, Kyle again by request. Kyle Gunther. All right. Yeah, we'll see if we can get him. We'll yeah. offer that. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.